Rodgers has it. Gives to Franklin. He no, dies. No, I don't think no, he got it. I no, don't think he got out, it. The is out. The Bengals have scooped it up. Bouncing in the pocket, his throw caught at the 10-yard line. Tegan straight into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. It's a TD. Hello and welcome to episode 156 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. Well... It's the first ever Bengals UK podcast, not only celebrating a winning season, but also celebrating an AFC North championship, a bona fide AFC North championship after a thrilling, ridiculous, oh my God, win over the Kansas City Chiefs yesterday, 34-31, Evan McPherson knocking through a 20-yard field goal as time expired in a crazy seesaw record-breaking game yet again. Oh, my heart is just about getting used to uh, what happened yesterday and calming down. Nathan Palmer, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, my son. Goodness me, what a way to ring it in, eh? What a way to ring it in. Bring it in. Reel it in. Holy Lord, what a game. What a game. And... You know, the crucial thing is that, uh, well, we're AFC North champions uh, for the first time in six years, I believe. Um, And again, as we mentioned on the podcast before, we've never uh, had to talk about a winning season, let alone an AFC North championship. And this is the time we could do it. Oh, we could do it. Come on, let's do it, Nathan. Let's talk about it. The thing is, man, I mean, I really wasn't sure how the end of this season would pan out. There were so many ways it could have panned out. We could have lost to the Chiefs, lost the last game of the season against the Browns, not even made it. And I really felt like that was possible. You know, the team had been up and down and all season and you just never really knew which way it could go. You felt like they were getting a bit of momentum. You thought maybe, OK, they might not beat the Chiefs. It's going to be a big ask. Maybe they squeak over the line and beat the Browns or, you know, results go their way even with a loss. But I tell you, I don't think many people thought we'd just end it against the Chiefs in an amazing game. Chiefs pretty much full strength, all their stars out there. You know, we really took it to them, back and forth, back and forth, real good boxing match. And to do them like we did, win the AFC North, you've got a game to spare where you can do what you want um, next week. I mean, that's, you know, a real sort of party hat on um, type of experience. So, who day, what an incredible win, my son. What a win. And do you know what, Nathan? Go on. We're in the playoffs. <laughs> We're in the playoffs. We are in the playoffs. We're in the playoffs. We're in the playoffs. We've got a lot to go all of the way. We're in the playoffs. It's time for blast off. Old man Roethlisberger, time to say goodbye. We never see a headline about a chase drop today. But when Uno is covered, we just go 
to tea anywhere. We're in the playoffs. Burrow to go off. Let's win one for the first time in 30 years. We're in the playoffs. We're in the playoffs. We've got a lot to go all of the way. We're in the playoffs. Bart Scott can f**k off And all the rest of them who always do us wrong We never see a headline by the same old Bengals And when we see the Browns, they've still won nothing at all We're in the playoffs, we're in the playoffs Let's play it, win it, lift the Lombardy up high. Well, there we go. There's a little celebratory song for you all. We're in the playoffs. As These just get better and better every week, my son. Especially like the Bart Scott part. Well, I mean, if you can't have a go at Bart Scott when you get into the playoffs after what he said last week, when can you, for goodness sake? Oh, it's perfect timing now. I mean, that geezer, I mean, I tell you what, we were talking last week, I don't want to bang on about Bart Scott, but we were talking last week about that rivalry really sort of stepping itself up. And I mean, that just <laughs> know, adds right? absolute <laughs> petrol to the fire, doesn't it? Oh, he's just tipped an absolute gallon on that fire, hasn't he? I mean, and also inciting violence. But anyway, that's another discussion for a pub at some point. Um, have you ever uh, incited violence in your life, Martin? <laughs> I don't think I have. Um, no, I don't think I have. And I'm, you're probably going to bring up the suplexing incident, um, but um, uh, no, I've not incited. Well, I think if we, were gonna, we haven't talked about the suplexing incident for months, so I feel like a, you know we've won the AFC North title. It might be a good time to just sort of remind people of that. But well, maybe I'll maybe let you off this week. All right, very good. Because we've got to talk about the game, man. What a game, and um, what a victory, and just. Oh. I don't know where to start with it. There was so much going on in that game. It was ridiculous. And what, I mean, objectively again, uh, and I'll say, I said it on Twitter, it was so cool, or at least one of the coolest things about last night. We received lots of messages from fan groups uh, across the UK, different NFL fan groups saying, you know, congratulations, really chuffed for you guys. You, Your team is absolutely so fun to watch. So I think objectively... It was a great game to watch. It had a bit of everything. There was, you know, seesaw moments. There were great plays, great offensive plays, great defensive plays, a bit of controversy. I thought the referees were really poor last night, generally speaking. Um, you know, came down to the death. Two good teams, you know, lots at stake for the Bengals. Not just because it was a statement game, but you know, they if they won, they won the AFC North, and um, they managed to do it. They managed to squeeze it out. Um, incredible business! Incredible business. Scenes at Paul Brown, unbelievable. I think you make a really good point about the sort of people messaging us and saying, you know, the, the attention we've got around the national media. I mean, I'm in the States at the moment. You're watching ESPN, you're watching any of these channels out here, and there's a lot of airtime being given to the Bengals, a lot of people talking about the Bengals, a lot of people very excited and believing in the Bengals. I don't think it's 
um, you know, one of those Andy Dalton teams where people sort of thought, well, these guys are pretty good. But I think, you know, with greatest respect to Andy Dalton, a lot of people didn't necessarily buy him. They didn't necessarily think he was the guy that was going to take them to the promised land. Yes, he was a decent quarterback that uh, back then, maybe even a good quarterback. But I think that with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, the youth on this team, the explosiveness of this team, and just how good they are to watch, um, I really just think that people are getting excited. People believe, and it's and more than anything else, it's a very watchable, fun product. And I think to any neutral that watched that game yesterday, the seesaw nature of it, the quality on display at quarterback, the skill position on display with Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Jamar Chase, Higgins, Mixon, all the rest of it. That's the sort of game that the NFL wants you to watch every single week. You know, it comes down to a field goal to win it right at the end. You're going from fourth and goal with less than a minute to go. I mean, it was an absolute spectacle to watch. And the Bengals come out on top against a team that's made the Super Bowl two years in a row. They've won the AFC two years in a row. Um, I mean, if it doesn't get you out of your seat, I don't know what will. Yeah, absolutely. Shall we dive a little bit deeper into it with some reaction, eh? Go on in, my son. Reazione, reazione, ole, ole, ole. Reazione, reazione, ole, ole, ole. Okay, uh, Bengals 34, Chiefs 31. Evan McPherson, as I mentioned, knocked through a 20 yard field goal. After the most remarkable drive, I think. I've ever seen actually I, I can safely say that not it wasn't your classic kind of one minute two minute drill driving the ball down 90 odd yards or whatever this 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 drive this this the last drive was six minutes on the clock I was gonna say yeah it was like a novel or one of your favorite movie films it had a bit of everything it had ups downs adversity redemption Tension, love, dirty hot sex, and a bit of everything. Everything that you want in, in a film. And it was just remarkable. I mean, great passes to Jamar Chase. Uh, Joe Boy going down, uh, injured. Um, a third and 27. A third and 27. That, How the that, hell did they convert that? That was in, insane. Play the game for me. Play the game. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And then Zach had the moxie just to kind of almost not toy with the chips, but play really smart clock management down inside the five. And just when you thought they were going to, they played it perfectly, there were penalties. There were missed passes. A fourth down pass that went awry that would have undone Zach's plan. Only for, uh, I think it was illegal hands to face on, on yeah. Tyler Boyd in the end zone. And they had another chance, which meant Brandon Allen, the backup quarterback, came in, was able to take a knee and spike it. And with like two seconds left, Evan McFerrin, see what I mean? It had everything. It was the most remarkable drive <laughs> I've I've ever seen in all my living days, Nathan. Hundred percent. I mean, you okay, yeah. you could say that over and over again. That drive, and I listen back to it. I mean, it was just absolute theatre. I mean, third and twenty-seven. If you're the Chiefs, you are swinging punches because 
it's a bad play call from them. They absolutely sent the house to Joe yeah, Boyd. I don't know yeah. if they're trying to push him outside field goal range, maybe force a turnover. Obviously, you know, he, had, he did get hit a lot yesterday. So maybe they're trying to get in his head like that. But to leave Jamar Chase one-on-one on the outside. Again. I mean, that's... Which that's he, they repeatedly really, did. Really aggressive play calling from them after what he did to him yesterday. And I'll tell you what, that wasn't even like a drop in the basket from Joe Boy. That was no. a really difficult, tough, contested catch by Chase that he just sort of brought himself back to the ball, gets two hands on it, gets his feet down in fairly tight coverage. And I mean, the geezer, we'll get to him, but I mean, he was out of control yesterday. I mean, he was absolutely nuclear. Um <laughs> And I just think that, yeah, I mean, it was it was a fantastic drive. I wouldn't probably have gone for it. I'm a conservative play caller. I probably would have just <laughs> kicked that field goal on fourth down, you know, given them 40 seconds left, no timeouts. You know, they, at worst, it goes to overtime. Um, but fair play to Zach. He rolled the dice. That hands-to-the-face call, I mean, you know, that I think they get given sometimes and not others. It wasn't clear and obvious, I wouldn't say. But you got to take it. There's been so many times over the years we've been the victim of a bad play, um, a bad call from the refs. We have been this season. We will be next season. So you take those um, sort of marginal ones. And, I mean, wow, what a way to end it. Because you, if you're Patrick Mahomes and there's six minutes on the on the clock, you're sat on the bench as if you don't think you're getting another shot here. Do you know what I mean? The fact that he didn't even get off his bench, that was it for him. You know, he yeah. might as well have headed back to the locker room. A masterclass in running the clock. And like I said, that penalty really set us up perfectly. But that's the way to kill a game, you know. Just don't, you, you could have gone in there and scored a touchdown with two minutes on the clock. You, you're back in Mahomes, aren't you? To just yeah. step it up a gear, the whole offense, bring out their best plays from the playbook. You know, they're going to take it to overtime, then you just never know what's going to happen. So for the Bengals to take control like that was incredible. And I'll tell you what, I mean, we'll talk about it. Zach Taylor, what what, what a step up from him to turn over Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Well, you can talk about it now, really. I mean, it, I think it encapsulated in that drive. I'm like you, I would have personally kicked the field goal, but that would have left Mahomes and co. 50 seconds, I think, around 50 seconds to get down, which they could have easily done. So I totally understand going for it, but my goodness me, and lots else beside, they they got a little bit lucky. Although I have to say, I think that penalty in the end zone was bang on. I mean, the Chiefs were unlucky with a few other penalties, and so were we. So it sort of balanced it out, really, I think. Um, but yeah, Zach was very emotional in the press conference afterwards. Um, you know, a monumental turnaround uh, from the players and the coaches. And another coach we should mention as well is Lou, because in that first oh, half, the Chiefs were just putting on a masterclass on how to shred up and mince up a defense they was I thought they were sensational and we just couldn't live with them then we limited them to three points in the second half yeah. how the hell did yeah. they do that I couldn't yeah. spot anything particularly obvious they just seemed to step it up I'm sure there was some tactical and schematic changes that Lou made at half time but what would Lou do I tell you what he'd do he'd kick their f- <laughs> you know he would <laughs> I'm in the mood for swearing tonight, and in a good way. And uh, what would Lou do? I think he'd put on a show himself in the second half, how to stop the Chiefs. Amazing business. So the coaches have had, um, you know, a fantastic time of things this year. And But saying that, we have seen Zach make mistakes. Zach has owned up very honestly to his mistakes in um, 
in press conferences. There had been some head-scratching calls throughout the season, but actually, like his quarterback, he's a young head coach and he's learning on the job and he's we've seen him get better and better as the season has gone on. And um, it's been really interesting to watch. And, you know, obviously, Zach's been on this show before um, and uh, he rates us quite highly. Uh, so, you know, in, in a personal... I know, right? Weird. That's, a, that's one big mistake from a head coach, I think. But um, but from a personal perspective, we know what a good guy is and you want good guys to succeed. And it's just really nice to see him succeed. I mean, it's a hell of, I mean, he's been talked about as coach of the year. No, no. It's, it's an enormous amount of like um, gratification for Zach Taylor because he really, I think for a lot of people, wanted him gone after year one. A lot of people wanted him gone after year two. And there was times during his coaching, um, you know, towards the start where people, I mean, it was almost, I remember when he got his first win and it just felt like giving a kid like, you know, a sort of like runner-up badge at school. Like, don't worry about it, mate. Like, here's your first win. Oh, Zach's got his first win and we're one and ten or whatever we were. And you just really felt like he wasn't making the progress you'd won. It, there was the locker room, like, supposed mutiny last year when Dunlap's coming out, making all that stuff. And you just, you know, at least Jesse came on the podcast and said, look, you know, from what she's hearing, it's really not looking fantastic in that locker room. And you felt like it was the, it, it was almost inevitable that this was it. You know, Burrow's done his knee in. It was a pretty, you know, it wasn't a great end to last season. And to do what he's done this year. I mean, this year has gone up and down and who knows what's going to happen in the future. But I'll tell you what, for him to get this team, not only to win the AFC North in an interesting year in the AFC North, or a lot of the teams, you know, very sort of similar, I'd say, in terms of ability outside of us. Hmm. But for him to beat someone like the Kansas City Chiefs, arguably the best team in the NFL. Like I said, they've been to the Super Bowl the last two years, fully at strength, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill... To do them at home, especially being down 14 points, you know, tight game, one score game that we've really struggled with historically. I mean, that couldn't be a bigger statement from Zach to the fans. And boy, does he deserve it. I mean, he he, he really has dealt with a lot of shit, Zach Taylor. You know, there's been a lot of nasty stuff mm. said about him. A lot of people, you know, I'd say if you went around the NFL and said, can you name all 32 head coaches? His name would probably be the last one to come up. In terms of, oh, that guy at the Bengals, oh, Zach Taylor, is that Zach with an eight? You know, he constantly gets names spelt wrong by the media. I mean, it is a statement from him. And I think for him as a young coach, maturing, growing, I mean, it's a massive win. And whatever happens, you know, at the end of the season, you'd look back and say that was a, a big, big win, um, a fantastic year and a real maturity process for him as a coach. Yeah, and he's created a team that I think a lot of people like, a lot of neutrals like. I think, you know... And that's a really good point. We're a fun team to watch. And I think this is where it has been a very holistic 360 evolution uh, for the Bengals. Because not only have things changed on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. You know, you've got Kay Adams being ruler of the jungle. And we must say congratulations to big Jim Foster for his... Uh, stint on the throne yesterday, uh, fully deserved for Jim, uh, fan of the year this year and ruler of the jungle yesterday. So congrats to, to Jim and to Trisha and all his family who enjoyed that moment yesterday. Um, yeah, Kay Adams, ruler of the jungle. They're constantly talked about on Good Morning Football. 
Um, you know, you've got Dan Orlovsky kind of going nuts over Joe Burrow and whatever. You know, that perception of the Bengals is slowly beginning to shift because, you know, there's been some moves, as we know, in terms of engagement, in terms of PR and efforts to tell these players' stories. And I tell you what, there's there's a bunch of very, very likeable players in that yep. locker room. CJ is obviously the ringleader. He's brilliant. But you look at Chase and TB and T Higgins yesterday in the locker room, they're all having a real laugh. There's no sort of nastiness there. Trey Hendrickson is is as uh, as blue-collar and as honest and as likeable as they come. Old old Mother Hubbard is brilliant, as we know. Jesse Bates, lovely guy, been on this podcast. Um, you know, you can go... DJ Reader, also been on this podcast. Um, hey, maybe there's a theme here. I don't know. <laughs> don't know. What do you think? Anyway, DJ Reader, what a, what a guy he is. You know, he's really good fun. What my point is, in all seriousness, they are the team that's very, very easy to root for. And finally, things are clicking on the field. Uh, ever since the bye week, yes, there's been... One, two, lost two, still figuring things out. The past two games, they haven't made any mistakes at all. Do you know what I mean? Before this game, I kind of said, you know, you really cannot gift a team like the Chiefs a 20-point, 17-point lead like we did thanks to stupid mistakes against the Chargers and the 49ers. Um, and, OK, yes, we did end up 14 nothing down, Um and there was a 14-point deficit, I think, like three times during that game. But we weren't giving it away, I don't think. It was just the Chiefs playing very, very well and us struggling to adapt. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're a fun team to watch. We're, we're, a, we're a team that's easy to root for. And um, I don't know, man. I don't know. There's something special brewing. There's something special brewing. We'll see what happens, what? but you know, we, I, yeah, I don't, I don't fear any. T- when we play like that, I do not fear any team in the NFL. No, hundred percent. I, I think that the difference maker in the last two weeks, and it's been there all season, but I think in the last couple of weeks, and to be honest, in the second half of the season, more than anything else. The difference maker has been Joe Boy's got his chef's hat on and he's whipping up something <laughs> special because he has taken his game to a different level. His movement in the pocket is a different level. He looks more confident on his knee. I hope that doesn't change after he rolled it up yesterday. And, you know, I hope he'd probably be left out in, um, of the lineup next week in lieu of the playoffs. But he's playing at a different level. He just looks like he's settled in. And for him, obviously, missing the end of his rookie season, he still hasn't um, completed two full seasons yet. And this is about the time you'd expect an elite player in the NFL to be taking his game um, to that next stage. And he just looks like an animal, the geezer. He's tearing apart, he tore apart the Ravens. And, you know, obviously people saying, well, they weren't at full strength. And you say, okay, fair enough. And then to do it against the Chiefs a week later, I mean, he just looks electric and he's getting absolute praise bestowed upon him from every corner of the NFL. There's people literally yesterday saying, look, should this guy be in the discussion for the uh, the MVP? Like, you know, is, is he playing at a better standard than some other guys around the league? Like, is he the best player in the league? Now, I don't think he'll probably win the MVP, nor probably should he, but he is playing at that standard. Mm. And he's getting hot when you need it. You know, you next week, all right, maybe he doesn't play, maybe he does. But he's coming off of these last two games going into the playoffs. I mean, if you were any of these teams in the AFC, you'd be like, shit. 
we've got Burrow and Chase turning up. You yeah. know, that that is not what you want to be facing. There's not a combo in the AFC or arguably in the NFL that you you know want to go up against like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, the way they're playing at the moment. So for us as fans, if he can just keep playing like that and put in a performance at his end, I mean, goodness me, like it, that we're going to be really, really hard to stop. Um, just to say, we have got the Athletics' uh, Paul Dana Jr. coming up in a few moments, where we do talk about Borough and Chase as well, and what happens next for the Bengals against the Browns, and indeed the playoffs. We're in the playoffs, Nathan. We're in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, just going back to Borough, we've seen him make mistakes earlier on in the season. We've seen him not struggle at times, but perhaps hold the ball for too long. Uh, throw some or make some questionable decisions and you know at one point he was up there throwing the most interceptions in the league so he went through his growing pains uh, this year but oh my god the last couple of three couple of three games um, it is different level stuff it is different you know we've been blessed as as a club with fantastic quarterbacks down the years you know your Kenny Andersons your Boomers your um, Achilles Smith, I'm joking, and um, your uh, Carson Palmer's, and you know even Andy Dalton, Pro Bowl quarterback, record breaker, franchise records all over the place. Joe Burrow yesterday, not only did he break um, Boomer's single game passing record last week, he went, he surpassed Andy Dalton's yards in a season, and I believe touchdowns in a season uh, yesterday. Uh, he his his second 400 game, four touchdown passes in consecutive games. If that makes sense, he's the first player to do that in NFL history. 971 yards in the last two games. That's the most in consecutive wins in NFL history. This guy is breaking long-standing franchise and NFL records, and this is his second season. It is ridiculous. And I think, you know what? Finally, we have a quarterback that will pick this team up and put it on its back. And yes, he's got some fantastic, you know, kind of complementary skill players that may also make all the difference. But his mentality, his his moxie, his, I I use that phrase again, testicular heaviness is just... (laughs) Oh, it is breathtaking. I mean, okay, last week, you know, he played against a depleted Ravens offence, but I do think that helped him to get into this ruthless groove, you know what I mean? really did. And this game, once again, they started clicking. Some of the balls he threw to chase down that side, and there was one also to T Higgins, which was absolutely perfectly thrown in very tight coverage. Um, he's chucking the ball down the sidelines for 30, 40 yards. So, you know, you can kind of stop talking about does he have a deep ball or not. Uh, he hasn't thrown an interception for, I want to say, three games, maybe four. Um, he's playing at an extremely high level. And you know what? He's got that winning mentality. And you, do you know what? I think he absolutely loves it. I think he loves and relishes this fight, this kind of... Being at the business end, the the seasons are on the line. There's something to play for. Give me the ball, I will do it. And I, I, I mean, oh, 
No, I hundred percent. Sam Poor is right. I mean, yeah. I mean, he. I think the difference with him and what we saw in the past with the sort of the quality Bengals teams that you'd look back on, he as a leader just offers you something that you don't get from many players or from many leaders. He just has a certain quiet confidence and swagger about him that you just think this guy's going to do it. He, he really, you back him. You know, you don't just mm. think he's not just a nice guy that's a good player and he, you know, a bit unassuming or whatever else. He really has that swagger about him and the moxie, however you want to call it, as a leader and a winner. And I'll tell you what, he's going to go in there. He, he's not going to be putting his AFC North champion hat on and parading right around, around Cincinnati. He wants bigger than that. I mean, you know he does. And mm. I... I wouldn't bet against him doing it. I really wouldn't. I mean, there's been times this season where I thought, well, I'm really not sure, you know, I don't, maybe it's too, we're too young, this and that. But we've got hot at the right time. And you'd look at this and you'd say, we really, really could make a run with him at the helm, the way he's playing at the moment. You know, he's done it on the biggest stage. The national championship, winning that for LSU. I mean, you don't realise how much media attention and how many people are watching that. It's a massive spectacle. And he absolutely smashed the playoff um, in that and then smashed the final. And I think you look at that and you think, he's not going to be afraid of a wild card game. You know, he's not going to buckle under the pressure of a wild card game. That stat about the Bengals not winning a playoff game in 30 years, I don't even think it'll be on his mind. He won't no. care about that. He'll just be he'll just be going in there and thinking, right, who am I lining up against? Where's Jamar Chase? I mean, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, I really honestly think that out of nowhere in the last sort of two, three weeks, we've almost stumbled upon a real gem of an opportunity here because the AFC isn't that strong, I don't think. We've just beaten who I would say is quite comfortably the best team in the AFC, in the Chiefs. I mean, the Titans are depleted. They're, they're very well coached. They're playing well. But I would be much more afraid of playing Kansas City than I would of them. Buffalo are a bit out of sorts. New England, they've got a rookie quarterback. You know, I don't think you'd be that scared of them. The Colts don't look great. The Chargers are a bit of a bogey team, but they're not even guaranteed to get into the playoffs. The Raiders, I mean, you back your house on us to take them again. I mean, you know, there's a genuine opportunity for the Bengals here. And I don't want to, you know, set expectations too high and we all get let down and have a real stinker against you know, like the Steelers somehow, if they get in or, the, you know, the Colts blow us out and we all look at ourselves and say, what's happened here? But there's no reason this team couldn't make a serious run here. Now, I'm not saying we're going to win it, but it, there's no reason we couldn't win a game or two in the playoffs. I really don't think there no, is. I, so. I, think, I think you're right. And I think you're very correct to say that it's all down to the the momentum and the confidence there. You know, there's real belief and they're young guys i think uh jim nance kind of said in the commentary last night there's no scars with this team you know they you know there's a couple of guys that were there in 2016 but i, I think only kev and clark harris were part of that 2015 uh team that played in the game that shall not be named so there's no real scars there um and you've recruited a bunch of winners, you know, both in free yep. agency. You know, Trey Hendrickson came from a winning program in New Orleans. DJ Reader was a star next to um, next to Watt in Houston when they were good. Um, Von Bell again in New Orleans when they got all the way to the championship game a couple of years ago. Trey Wayne similarly to in Minnesota. So you know, you're you're picking up guys that are, um, you know. 
battle-hardened, they know what it takes to win, and then you sprinkle in some generational talents, you know, that's quite a potent mix. And, you know, you can just see the confidence just oozing out of them, just oozing out, not just oozing out of them. I don't know what's... Flowing. Uh, flowing out of them. Just someone's broken down and the confidence is flowing like a river. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's just fantastic to see. And you know what? I I do think you're right. I think they'll just go into the playoffs with, like, yeah, whatever. Let's do it. You know what I mean? There's going to be no no real fear there, I think. Um, and, of course, the important thing is, as we all know, uh, anything can happen in the playoffs. We've experienced the bad in recent years, the past sort of, you know, 10, 15 years, the, the really bad. Uh, who's to say that this time with this new crop of players, this new team of players, this new nucleus of players, that um, some good things can't happen. I mean, why not? I think this team is playing well enough. So why not? The big thing I think we've got, uh, we've absolutely, you know, waxed lyrical this team and how how well they've played and, you know, we've talked up as much as we can that what they could do. The big thing I think they've got to watch out for the sort of real slip up here is because Joe Boy tweaked his knee, I think he's probably right. I mean, the geezer's smoking cigars, dancing in the locker room. I can't believe it's that serious. So hopefully mm. he'll be okay. But the banana skin, I think for us is we rest the players next week. You get beaten by the Browns. Now, you know, whatever, but you know, we're still in the playoffs. They're not, but you just lose that sort of, hot streak you know if the playoffs were next week and it was a normal sort of 16 game season and you've gone 10 and 6 and you thought you know goodness me bring on the Colts bring on the Patriots whoever it might be mm. you back us to the hill I just think we did this once before in Castle Palmer's days where we rested all the starters in the last game of the season because we were in I think we got blown out by someone like the Jets I can't remember exactly who it was but we got absolutely blown out last game of the season playing the backups and then we got beat in the playoffs and just didn't get going. And I just think that you want to ride Joe Boy's hot hand. And I'm not saying we needlessly stick him out there against the Browns and Miles Garrett tears him apart and then we don't even have him for the playoffs because then Zach Taylor would, you know, take an absolute, you know, ton of abuse there. But I do just think, you know, I'm torn because in, in many ways, I hope Kansas City lose next next week when they play and we, that game means something you know can we sneak into the sort of second seed here or get a slightly better yeah. um playoff seeding and the guys go out there and play for it because as much as i don't want anyone to get injured i just think you want to keep the momentum up here keep the, the pressure up don't sort of you know oh, we're trying to rest everyone up for a week because it might not make a difference joe boy might just say i don't care like you know give me a week to prep for the playoffs here that'd be great i'll be even healthier fitter raring to go you know any players that have sort of got niggles and injuries and stuff you know give them an extra week to rehab but i do just think that the way we're playing at the moment the momentum we've got i just wouldn't want us to go and get beat by the browns in a meaningless game by sort of 20 30 points and then you sort of got to pick yourself back up from that not that it would be a big pickup but then you've got to sort of start again and play, you know, get ready for the playoffs after a team like the Colts have won a big game um, in week 17, week 18, whatever it is. And they're coming in hot and we're coming in off a big loss. Granted, not a big one. But do you know what I mean? It, it, it's I always, it's every year. Um, it's the ultimate dilemma for a team going into the playoffs. Do you rest your starters or do you give them a bit of action? 
I, I don't know what the answer is. I think you can find, I'm sure there's evidence to su- to support both approaches. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I don't know. I just think we should just enjoy this moment right now. Uh, there's a lot of head, ahead of us, not least the Browns on Sunday. And then we, we have the playoff game, the, the wild card at home at Paul Brown. Um, That's a big thing, isn't it? To get it at home. Yeah, the following weekend. It could even be a Monday night. I understand that there is a Monday night playoff game in the wildcard round this this game. So I'm kind of hoping for the UK fans' sake that it will be nice. You know, I quite enjoy watching a couple of games on a Saturday and a couple of games on a Sunday in in the wildcard rounds. That's what I used to really enjoy. So I'm kind of hoping that we're not going to be Monday night, but... because we're really hot at the moment, I bet we bloody will. But anyway, plenty to talk about. But I tell you what, let's just enjoy this moment because A, we are AFC North champions. B, we have secured a 10-win season, which is, I think, more than most people uh, would have um, predicted. And C, we're in the playoffs. We're in the playoffs. Right, um, we should get to our special guest. He's been on the podcast I think five times before, but let's bring him in for his sixth. As promised, we have uh, the return of Paul Dana Jr., the Athletics Paul Dana Jr. He's been on the podcast many times before. We couldn't think of a better time to have him back on. Paul, how are you doing? Happy New Year. Doing great. What's going on, Paul? Well, we're coming down. We're still tripping the light fantastic. We still can't <laughs> quite believe it. I wanted to ask, um, you were there at uh, the stadium yesterday. How? I mean, you're a Cincinnati guy and... You know, I, I loved your tweet a few weeks back when you really passionately, not defended Cincinnati, but kind of reaffirmed your love for Cincinnati. And that was really great to see. Um, is it difficult to remain objective in, in times like that when the whole crowd is going up? Such a huge game. The Bengals suddenly igniting and, and doing things that they've not done for a long time, if ever before. Well, I don't think it's, I mean, no, I don't think it's hard to be objective about the football, but there's also an understanding of the moment. I mean, there's an understanding of what this means to to everyone because, you know, I'm here to report objectively on what is happening to the players, to the coaches, to the front office, to the people in the stands, to the feeling in the city, and and so that's all there's in that there's it's it's not um subjective to say that this was one you know the most impactful victory in the stadium's history and what it meant and the joy that it was bringing to everyone you know i i don't know you know you can i think you it's interesting like after a while you train yourself to be desensitized to the emotion a little bit and pull yourself away. That's, I think that's kind of just a part of being a journalist in any moment is, is you're able to do that with ease. And I still could do that yesterday, but you could do that with recognition of the emotion you were seeing across all of those people I mentioned, whether it's Sam Hubbard talking about Mike Brown having tears in his eyes, whether it's literally seeing fans losing it in the stands, like crying and things like that, or, or the emotion of players, whether you talk to them afterwards or on their social stories from the locker room or, 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 or all of that stuff, you know, the head coach breaking down kind of right at the top of the press conference. That is, there's no, nothing you need to be, 
other than just a person seeing that and just trying to relay that. Um, you know, it's your, I, I always say, people always ask who I root for. I don't root for any, I root for the city. Mm. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean the Bengals win. In fact, it usually doesn't have anything to do with it. I just, I, you know, I, I root for people in this city, um, to feel happy with their relationship with the team, you know, or, yeah. or that their voice is heard and their frustration with the team. You know, yeah. it goes both ways and there's that's where the objective comes in. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously the Bearcats had a tremendous run this year. It was Friday night and then the Bengals Chiefs. Was there a feeling around the city that this was, you know, a big, big weekend? A lot of a lot of fans were saying the atmosphere around the city was it was just buzzing, basically. Yeah, I, I mean, you can't. I, I was thinking about this on Friday before the Bearcats game if there's ever been a bigger weekend for football in this city. And I just don't know how there could be. I mean, it was, it was the biggest game in the history of UC football. And that's not really even debatable mm. um, when you consider the, what the platform that they reached to be playing Alabama in the final, I mean, a place they have no business being as a group of five team. And then to be that be followed up two days later with, the Bengals with a chance with Joe Burrow's first big stage to, to claim his first championship of the North division and the chiefs and how big that game was like, you just, you just don't normally combine those two things into one weekend and to have both of those stages on. Yeah. I mean, there was certainly a buzz about football uh, here in the whole city and the UC game didn't go quite as people here would have liked it to go. But I think, uh, what what happened on Sunday maybe helped uh, mend some of those wounds. Um, let's get to the the Bengals, the team. Um, we I don't I think the last time we spoke was late last year, perhaps. And um, I mean, expectations going into the season. I think everybody wanted them just to improve. Really, a lot of people had them at eight nine wins, including myself, just because they saw the talent on this team. Um, what what have been the key moments throughout the year in terms of progression to to where they are now? Which is, I think, everybody will agree that they are legitimate Super Bowl contenders at the moment. Absolutely. I mean, if you can beat the Chiefs uh, in this, who were the clear favorite in the AFC at before, you know winners of eight in a row everybody healthy for them there was there was no oh the battered secondary you're missing the quarter there was no ex all excuses removed mm. yesterday and it was just joe burrow and patrick mahomes going toe for toe and the Bengals coming out on top you know so if you can do that you can beat anybody you're as much a contender as anybody because everybody in the afc has kind of had warts honestly except for kansas city up to this point so I, yeah I, I would definitely say that if you're talking key moments in the season i mean at baltimore when they went up 41 there's a scene um that was sort of a mic'd up clip i guess of burrow from that game that i is it just stays in my head it has stayed in my head all season i've asked him about it multiple times since where you see him on the sidelines having a conversation with Jamar and T Higgins and whoever, when they're running it up 41, 17 was a final. And he just, he kind of nods his head with this, like, like he just understood something. And he just says, if, if, if we can win this division, we can win the whole thing. 
we can win the whole thing. And you see him realizing it in the moment. You know, it was cool that NFL Films captured that because that day, I think it went from, boy, it'd be fun if we made the playoffs, which was something they sort of kind of put out there as the goal before the season, you know, to they need to reestablish what the baseline is for this team and what the ceiling maybe isn't for this team. And Mm. that to me really changed a lot. And I thought also, you know, coming out of the bye in Vegas, and it may be a game that gets overlooked, but people forget they had lost two in a row. It looked like the wheels were coming off and they went to Vegas with kind of a new mentality offensively with pounding Joe Mixon and establishing that side of their game and getting more, you know, more situations that were advantageous for their quarterback to be efficient and not just throw it a bunch, you know, realize that we weren't ready for that yet. And, and that win I thought really was a, a big moment for them. And, and then really, I mean, yesterday, mm. the combination of the last two weeks, people will scoff at Baltimore for all they were missing, but, you know, opening it up and throwing for five twenty five. You you wondered would they try to do that against Kansas City next week? Would they would they say that this is what we're gonna be is let Joe Burrow cook right? Let Burrow be what Mahomes has been and what so Rogers is, and we see, and they they did. This was not the conservative game plan. This was not the Raiders. This was Burrow's gonna open it up, and the man threw for four forty six, including two sixty six to Jamar Chase. Like, I mean against that defense to me that's that's the game changer for the next level when mm. when back in week 7 against baltimore when he said we could win the whole thing and that realization happened it that was still a thought a hope now it became a reality that this is what it looks like that's what a that's what a super bowl win would have to look like or feel like and you have the guy who is taking that next step in his career to take you there and that's always been the slight knock on this team. We've been close against Green Bay, you know, Super Bowl caliber teams, close but no cigar. But look in the locker room yesterday, cigars all over the place. And, mm-hmm. you know, it is the first win against a genuine Super Bowl ta- caliber team. Um, it's interesting with Borrow, isn't it? Because he's not, he's had his mistakes this year and he's had his kind of, mind farts and brain farts and and it's been interesting because I think we've we've seen the the maturation of Joe Burrow throughout the season until we got to that Baltimore game and a lot of people will mostly Ravens fans let's face it will criticize for the aggressive way in which he carried on and on and on and on against the Ravens but I mean that seems to me that it was just helping Joe Burrow and the team to get into this kind of ruthless almost playoff winning mentality albeit against a depleted team to carry over into uh, such an important game in against a much uh, much better opponent this week would that be fair to say you know there's an interesting thing with burrow and and the the way he galvanizes the locker room and makes people believe in the way he plays it just started at LSU and, and, you know, and when he was down there and LSU was a run the football, like <laughs> stone age offense and Burrow came in and changed everything. And they, you know, they were 
SEC, but a little stodgy, you know, and then they were this brash, celebrating, throwing the rock, breaking records. He's running up and down, pointing to his finger is to put a ring on it when he's about to win the national championship. You know, he's he's cocky, right? Mm. So and the team follows that and draws confidence off of that. That's how people follow him. And so why would anybody be surprised that his rise here would be about team the team thriving and, and living off of that attitude? And that's kind of who they are. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna be mad. I'm gonna take this as a personal slight. I'm gonna run it up if I on you because I can, and I'm gonna you know, win the North against Patrick Mahomes and I'm going to dance and smoke cigars in the locker room and my teammates are going to do it with me. And, and, and there's just an attitude you have to have about that. Call it whatever you want. Like it makes, it, it drives everyone. It makes mm. people want to work harder for that moment. It's, it's why he's a great leader is because people just feed off of that. Mm. And that's, you know, part of leadership is that it's special and tangible that, everybody was sold on when they drafted him as much as the way he played on the field. It was the off the field stuff. And it's because man, players just love playing for that attitude. And I mean, today's athlete, and I'm not trying to get into a generational thing at all here, but like today's athlete thrives off of that, Mm -hmm. right? Like off of what we saw yesterday, Instagram stories full of dudes dancing and smoking cigars and talking trash. Like that's just kind of the fun of the game. And and there's so much more of that. And and so he really taps into that with this team. And I, and you can't be afraid to, you have to be that to be the Bengals, you know, to be the, to be the, you know, the, the laughing stock of the NFL and to change that perception. That's what it has to look like. Mm. I think Mm. it has, I think it has to look like that. On the field, what's the, I mean, he's breaking records in not even his second full season. Team franchise records. It's unbelievable. I mean, I, I, I'm lost for words at how well he's played the last two, three games. Um, what's big in, What's been the biggest improvement, do you think, um, over those last, this, this sort of small stretch? You know, I don't... I don't know exactly what it is. I think it's kind of been the whole thing has, you know, it's been, it's certainly been volume a little yeah. bit. I mean, they, they, they have kind of taken the restraints off of Burrow here these last couple of weeks and let him do his thing. And he's had to work the pocket magic despite so much pressure. I mean, the man's been sacked was it 50, I think up to 52 times now mm. after yesterday. And it's a franchise record. And he's just every time he drops back, he's spinning away from a guy or climbing the pocket and making a throw. And he's just so good at that. He's got a lot more comfort in his pocket presence and mobility that that really has taken all season to get all the way back. Hmm. And people don't, I mean, that's really his superpower on the field is his ability to keep his eyes downfield, understand everything he's seeing spontaneously in the moment while sort of working that pocket and, and, extending plays and knowing when to hold it, when to run and to do it instantaneously. And I think there's, it's taken a lot of time for him to really get back to this, that point this year. Mm. And now he feels that way. And I think that shows, you see so many of his plays have happened holding it to the last second. He's made some key runs and spots. He's, you know, he he's kind of just known how to, how to make it work despite a ton of pressure all over him. And that's allowed Zach Taylor to more confidently throw more, 
passes and and kind of just let him let it rip. And when he's let it rip, he he has all his receivers healthy, and mm. they're just winning so many one on ones for him. And his his chemistry with all of them is has reached new new heights. And what we saw with Chase yesterday, I would argue, was even a new height for their chemistry, which was insane. So, um, you know, teams don't really know what to do at this point. Mm. Kansas City opted for the let's just try all out pressure and take advantage of a weak offensive line. And it was just leaving Jamar Chase one on one all day. And Burrow will just continually just throw the ball up to his dude and he just keeps going and getting it. And Higgins does the same thing. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's just brilliant to see. We kind of, I think a lot of fans kind of thought if this team ever clicks, then it could be, you know, could be quite special. And it just seems to have just clicked. Uh, at the right time, really. Where? What's next, Paul? Uh, obviously, the Browns on Sunday. Um, what do you? What kind of team do you expect the the Bengals to to field? And what's their approach? Uh, do you think for Sunday? Hard to know specifically at this point, but they did get a break last night, and that was the NFL had slotted Saturday games for this week as part of their big final weekend of the season. And they put the Chiefs into the Saturday hole, which is advantageous because if the Chiefs win on Saturday, you know, as a Bengals team taking the field at one o'clock on Sunday, the number one overall seed, which is the golden nugget of the first week by the only buy you can get is now off the table because the Chiefs would have you. So that allows you to play a situation where you maybe you are resting the starters and maybe you are playing Brandon Allen instead of Joe Burrow because he's been so banged up and take, you know, he's out there with his knee at the end of the game last week, you know, perhaps um, it, it opens that up for you or maybe the chiefs lose on Saturday and you go into that game. No, man, there's a chance if we win and the Titans lose, we could have the number one overall seed. And, and that's, you know, but you know, going into it, and I think you can practice all week with the idea that the chiefs are going to lose on Saturday. And then if Saturday night, you get that result, you, you tell Brandon Allen, go have a good one tomorrow, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's great. So you can kind of keep focus all week of practice, keep that part of things lively, but then, pluck a few people out that maybe on Sunday potentially you could give a needed rest to and then be totally prepared to go uh, for the first game of the playoffs. And looking even more forward, a discussion has started already on who fans would prefer to face in the in the wild card at home. Um, do you have a, a preference at all or is it just a case of not caring with their anything can happen and we really genuinely can beat anybody on our day? Yeah, no, I think it'll be a fun conversation to have about who would be the best matchup. I mean, I don't think you could start it without saying if some way that Pittsburgh or Baltimore can squeak their way in would be great for the Bengals. I mean, they've already they've blown the two of those teams out a combined four times. And the mm. games haven't been close. They have just owned them. And both teams just aren't aren't super. But there they are as the options, as potential teams that could get in. And this team has kind of, you know, they built their roster in a lot of ways to win the North. They showed that and did it successfully so if, if if that was a possibility you would you would love that i don't know how likely it is it's probably one of the more unlikely scenarios i don't think anybody wants to see bill belichick <laughs> you know i mean if i'm if i'm looking at it you know they've they lost to the chargers by quite a bit which is it would be an interesting matchup but i think they felt like 
that was a game that they just gave away. They had no business really losing. I think there were lessons in the way that they lost that game that you would feel confident. I think the Colts are very good, um, but I think they're maybe one of the better matchups for the Bengals because, Mm. you know, if there's a strength of this defense in particular, it's their rush defense, and that's the strength of the Colts, and the Colts have a quarterback that can make mistakes, um, and, you know, the Bengals need to win turnover battles, and they can feel like they can stop the run. You feel like that's a game they could try to put on Carson Wentz. And honestly, the Colts aren't playing super right now after kind of a nice run in the middle of the season. So I would probably put Bill Belichick at the top of the list of people you don't want to see coming into Paul Brown Stadium just because we've all seen that show uh, that have watched the NFL for the last two decades. So, um, you know, for that reason, I would probably be against seeing New England come in here. But if they did, they did. Absolutely. Um this is well. It's not uncharted territory because people forget it was only five years ago that we were regulars in the playoffs. But it feels new and fun, and obviously a completely new team. And there feels it just got a, quite a special feel to it this year. Famous last words, obviously, but you know, <laughs> we'll see how we go. Uh, Paul, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for the time. Uh, go and subscribe to the, to the Athletic to read and listen to Paul and Jay's brilliant coverage. Um, Paul, enjoy the ride, man, and hopefully we'll catch up uh, at some point in the near future. Of course, anytime. I always got time for you guys. Appreciate all the all the support. Have a good one. There we go. That was the brilliant Paul Dana Jr., who will continue along with Jay Morrison uh, to provide excellent coverage on the Athletic and their excellent podcast. Hear that podcast growling. So go check out Paul if you don't already on Twitter now. Time for our correspondence. And would you believe it, there's a lot of them, Nathan. There's a lot <laughs> of them. And I have to say, it's the complete opposite to what we've sometimes experienced on this show. It's more or less unbridled joy. So uh, get ready for the gush. VB at Von Blade. Solid handle. Loved the final drive. Loved it. Also, for those of us who lived through the Marvin years, better than he gets credit for, but still, half-time adjustments. I still don't think Zach is the right man, but I'm not as anti-him as I was. Proof is in the pudding and all that. There we go. Uh, dreams of Widness, D-Widness. Uh, a fantastic game played by two fine teams. The run D was all over the place in the first two quarters, but the second half was a monstrous performance with KC getting chippier and chippier. They were, actually, weren't they? We had a couple of dodgy flags go our way, but deserved the win just. Chase to be Offensive Rookie of the Year? I mean, I mean, if he sure. breaks... He break. I mean, again, we didn't mention, actually, I don't think, that Chase broke the single-season rookie receiving yards record yesterday and also yards in a game yesterday. And this is not just club. He did break Chad Johnson's single-game receiving yards record, but he's now he's now broken NFL record. I mean, I think he more or less confirmed that he should be offensive rookie of the year yesterday, didn't he? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, the geese is out of control. I said he's just playing at a different level, and Joe Boy's finding him. And I mean, they know he's coming; they just can't stop him. And he has got. I mean, he he had that kind of. I wouldn't say a like a sort of um, flat spot or whatever in the season. He he had a couple of weeks where he was a bit quieter. He had a few drops, but 
I mean, he started the season off like a train and he's finishing it like an express train. And I, the stats are absolutely unbelievable. And I, I'm just excited to see what we've got in the future with a guy like that. I mean, he's just such an electrifying player to have on your team. That first touchdown well, I was going to say, talking about an express train, that, bloody... That was a... Yeah, oh. I mean, people were talking about his 40-yard dash potentially being overblown. Um because they were saying well, he's quick, but he's probably not 4.31 or whatever he tested as. He's not that quick. I mean, he, that play, pass to him yesterday, I was thinking, cool, that's a good pass. You know, that's 15 yards. And he sort of does that sort of comeback cut inside. And you think, oh, we might even pick up an extra five here. And all of a sudden, the geezer's just like, he's in between all of them. He's squeaked through. And you're like, hang on a minute, no one's going to catch him. And he was just gone. He put the after, I mean, he's got afterburners. He put the afterburners. He really has. On and he just, yeah. I think he left seven Kansas City defenders in his wake. I yeah. Mean, he just, I mean, wow. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, Jeff. Uh, Michael at Yadar teaches Zumba. Um, Shocking end. My thoughts are one: Steelers suck. Two: Ravens suck. Three: Browns with all their high draft picks and Scrooge McDuck vault size cap space have failed. And four, it's effing glorious. There we go. There uh, we go. Bianca Verde at Bianca Verde. Solid handle. Emotional. This game will go down in Bengals folklore as a statement win for the ages. Regardless of what happens in this season, this performance tells us this team has the right stuff. I'm so happy. Defensive adjustment, second half was incredible. Set us up for the win. Phenomenal. Um, slam dunk at Slam Dunk the Funk. Solid end. Amazing. No quit yet and records broken left, right and centre. So happy for Coach Taylor and the whole organisation. The post-game from Zach just shows how much this meant to him, his beliefs and what he's building. One more monkey to get off our back. Uh, Trequart Beaster, I'm on board with Zach. That was an absolute masterclass of clock management and game planning at the end. No, at least we tried. Field goal, going for the kill again and again. This is a serious, serious team. Uh, Matt Moon at Matt Moon felt at half time like it didn't matter what the offense did because our defense couldn't stop the Chiefs at all. Then our defense gave only three points in the second half. Three points. The Chiefs, unreal. No, how, no idea how Lou did it. Uh, Paris Pinney at Paris Pinney. This was a coming-of-age game for players and coaching staff. The potential was always there, but this statement win now cements the team as a legitimate contender in the AFC. Um, Matthew at our Matt. Uh, I pondered tweeting another apology to Zach for ever doubting, but I won't. Criticism was fair. We were crap, and he looked out of his depth, and it was painful. But he has grown and developed and improved and is the guy and he will continue to do so and that is just magnificent that's that's a good tweet i think uh, from yeah 100 because he's right about the first part i really do think through years one and two that you looked at zach and you there, there was so many question marks he did look out of his depth at times there was really questionable decisions that were being made you know you were you were worried about the locker room with you know the sort of murmurs coming out of there and he really has done an incredible job, and obviously he's got Joe Boy alongside him, a generational talent, and we've had, we've been fortunate this year with injuries. But like I said, you don't get ten wins in the NFL, beat the Kansas City Chiefs to win the AFC North without there being serious, serious coaching alongside that. So 
it, it, that's the thing. He's a young coach, Zach Taylor. He's not like some geezer who's some 50-year-old defensive coordinator who's been around the college ranks and been around all the NFL ranks. And, you know, you can't teach him any new tricks. He's a young geezer. He wasn't even an offensive coordinator at the Rams when we poached him from them. So I think for him, it's taken a couple of seasons for him to sort of you know, figure it out, improve, grow, learn, because um, it was a huge promotion for him. Hmm. And and also, he, 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 inherit, he inherited a roster that didn't particularly want him to be there, I don't think. And Yeah, hell, I agree. Hell of a lot of injuries. Uh, he came in late as well, yeah. so he wasn't quite... So he was trying to figure out what he had on the roster in that first several months of the season, his first season. You know, everything kind of went against him. So this was the year, as we've always said on this podcast, this was the year. This is his team yeah. now. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. remained injury-free and he's, he, you know, he's delivered, but he's, he's grown. He has made mistakes and he will probably continue to make mistakes. It, um, it was funny his first season when you think back to it because that team, would, like, it was one of those teams when you look back on it, you just never know. It wasn't a rebuild by any means. It was sort of like, oh, we think we could win here, but we're not really sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was the one that sort of, and there was a ton of injuries and it was a big mess. And you felt from that year, cause that wasn't his team. It was like you said, a team he inherited and it, it wasn't by any means. I don't think, I mean, you look back on it and you listen to our podcast and we're talking, well, you know, we could win nine games here, maybe 10, maybe I don't know. But really when you look back on it with all the injuries as well, and it not being his team and coming in late, it was a bit of a recipe for disaster. And only last season could he bring Joe boy in, get the draft picks in, start building these free agents. And like you said, this year as well, two proper off-seasons um, to get his own guys in and clear out Marvin's old squad um, has clearly paid dividends. Mm. Ken Davis at Ken S. Davis. Absolutely magnificent. What a game. As a relative new co- Now, this is a really interesting point. I think uh, we mentioned it. Uh, Paul Dana mentioned it. As a relative newcomer to Bengaldom, I've never seen any success. So it's a strange but glorious feeling. But I was genuinely emotional when that kick went over. And what's so exciting is that I can see a pathway to us getting even better. Now, absolutely, we can talk about it in the off-season. Yeah. Cap space, draft, you know, who we resign, etc., etc. To, you know, there is a bit of a, as Ken says, a pathway to future success, sustained success, which the Bengals have been terrible at, generally speaking. Yeah. I mean, you'd look at next season and just think, we could go all in on that. We've got cap room, you know, Burrows in his rookie contract. But the one thing I'll say, just to sort of hype up this season... You'll, no matter who you bring in this offseason, if you go and get a couple of big-time linemen in, a couple of defensive players, you draft well, etc., you might never be as fortunate as you are to have as many players healthy at this point in the season. Yeah, absolutely. But I think yeah. that's that's where the opportunity lies for us this year. Like You see the Chiefs yesterday lost two of their starting tackles to injuries. They're going to be thin uh, at the offensive line going through the playoffs. We, I mean, I know we've lost a couple of guys, but... We've been really, really fortunate mm. to still have all these guys firing on all cylinders, and we will have, unless the COVID bug bites, which obviously, yeah. you know, touch wood, it doesn't happen. We can just play these games as we mm-hmm. should. But this is why it's a unique opportunity. Like I said, you can get all the guys in the world next season, but if they're not on the field, there's injuries, chases hurt, and you're playing, you're playing thin, it doesn't matter. And it's rare that you've got all these quality players on the defence as well ready to go, hyped up, amped up. And that's why I genuinely think that we've had a bit of luck this season as well. It's the year of the tiger, I believe, in the Chinese... Um, the Chinese... What do they call it? It's not, it's not Zodiac, is it? Yeah, what Chinese it? Zodiac New Year sort of thing. 
yeah, yeah. But it's the year of the tiger so i mean why not you know the stars are aligning we're playing well when it matters we're healthy it's a serious serious opportunity i think for the bengals and ken makes a really interesting point because a lot of um fans out there will have started supporting the team started following the nfl in the last five years when we've been yeah, yeah. mediocre and then terrible so they've not known this kind of excitement before they've not known this kind of anticipation and the playoffs are a very different kind of beast you know it is the intensity just goes up by several notches and yeah. um it's 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 great to have all these new fans going on. and you know what i think there's going to be a lot more you look at Bur- as i mentioned yes earlier, burrow yeah. chase tiggins joe mixon trey hendrickson jesse bates all these guys cheeto you know yeah. um all these guys are, are just you know uh very easy to root for then you throw in a team that wears tiger stripes on their helmet and then you know what you're in love you're in love for the 100%. rest of your life and and you talk about you know fans in the last five years and fans for the future any of the any of the fans that watched the last two years the season before that season before that that's real tough watching it it wasn't just that we lost games there weren't many exciting games no, they, you know you right. can almost accept a game like green bay earlier this year where you lose but it's an absolute back and forth against a really really good team and it's exciting to watch. That's why you watch the game. That's why you watch sports for the entertainment. And the last couple of years, really, there weren't many games like that. They were a bit hard to watch. You know, there wasn't much offense to be seen. And we certainly weren't a sexy team back then. So I think for fans that have lived through that, watched that, haven't had to sit there and be begging us to lose so we get higher draft picks, you know, to actually be in contention now, playing these back and forth ding-dong games against the Kansas mm. City Chiefs, mm. the Green Bay Packers, I mean... That, that's why we will hopefully pick up some fans and, you know, be a good team for to watch for the next couple of years. Absolutely. New Orleans Saints, UK, at British Who Dats. Told you. Everyone's Suck getting... A... handle. <laughs> Everyone wants a piece of the action now. Uh, we, as LSU Tiger fans, we think Burroughs should be considered for MVP and comeback player of the year. Here, here. No, no disagreement there at all. Uh, no, I think comeback player of the year. I think he yeah more likely, but it's it's going to be him versus Dak Prescott, and which means the Bengals versus the Cowboys, and we all know who's going to win in the voting there, or you would imagine. But um, Matt Gibbs at Wakey Ram, that third and twenty-seven was as exciting and as nerve jangling a thing as I've ever seen. Still not quite sure. I understand what happened. Amazing. I mean, it was. I mean. A team shouldn't have a right to convert third and 27 in such a pivotal moment in a football game, but here we are. Odat at DZE before yesterday. I didn't consider our offence or defence would scare the elite teams. Now all defensive coordinators will have to rewrite their plan to defend our wideouts, especially Chase, if they don't want to get torched. However, I am still worried about the O-line giving up sacks. It's a fair point. I think that could be yeah, the Yeah, it definitely heel. is a fair right. point. at Mozza 92. Those big, hefty balls are swinging. Just what a game. <laughs> could watch us play each other every week. That was super fun to come out and win. It was just unreal. The coaching staff, the players, deserve all the praise they receive. I need this to be convinced we could do something. I mean... You shouldn't need convincing, Matthew. It is, it's all there for you to see. We've just beaten one of the best teams in the NFL, if not the best team in the NFL. Uh, we're breaking NFL records in passing and receiving. 
Um, I don't think you should need convincing. It's all out there on the table to see, I think. Um, Jason Stewart at uh, MJ Stewart. Incredible. No other way to describe it. It was even hard to be mad in the first half watching Mahomes in person. Fortunate enough to be there for a truly generational event and gave my 10-year-old son a memory he'll never forget. Who day and who day to you, Jason? What? Day. Oh, the atmosphere sounded great yesterday, didn't it? Oh, my goodness me. Roar that just came through uh, the screen, um, especially when Chase, uh, that first express train touchdown. Um, but he's right about Mahomes. There was one throw that Mahomes made downfield to Tyreek Hill, and this was an also pivotal play in the game when he sort of escaped the pocket, rolled to his right, and then sort of threw against the grain probably about 50 yards airborne. And he was off the ground when he threw that ball. He put everything into it. Tyreek Hill caught it and Von Bell just knocked it out yeah, at the yeah, very yeah, last yeah. minute. It was the super... It was the... That, that would have been at least three points done and dusted oh, there. Absolutely. You know I mean? yeah. Great throw, great route and catch, and then a sensational knockout from uh, from uh, Von Bell there. Um I think the most underrated part of our team this year has been that secondary. I think yeah. they've played it. Cheeto has just played like an absolute animal. Mike Hilton's been excellent. Like Eli Apple's had his flashes and his moments. They, they've they just been such a strong unit. And you look back in the last couple of seasons, then we haven't had that at all. You've had teams sort of lighting us up. You've not necessarily had real sort of leaders there playing well. And th- these guys are just, I think week after week, they impress me. You know, you're never gonna, just going to shut down every single team. There's going to be touchdowns, long touchdowns, whatever. But... I think that secondary deserves so, so much credit. I think they've been absolutely fantastic. And it's an absolute blueprint to the Bengals. Like, look, you can spend money in free agency here and it pay off big time. You know, it hasn't worked with Trey Waynes. Yeah, it's an expensive mistake in some respects. Um, You know, watch Trey Waynes pick off a pass in the Super Bowl to win it for us. But I was going to say, Trey might become an an important part of the piece, the puzzle going down the line, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. But... I mean, I, I just hats off to them. I think they've been fantastic. Chris Hood at Two Days CP says he's still trying to recover. I can't believe how many things went right in the second half and especially the last two minutes. The stress is very Bengals-like, but the rest isn't. One-off or a sign of a new dynasty. I don't care at the moment. I'm be sleeping soundly tonight. Absolutely. Rob Hill at uh, 3003 Rob said it's the best Bengals game he's ever seen. Um, yeah. Dom Bumbling uh, Bengal, he's rated his uh, playoff opponents um, by, you know, ranked in terms of the, the, the teams that he'd like to see. Number one, he'd like to see the Raiders. Two Colts, three Patriots, four Chargers. Yeah, that's probably bang on. Uh, Martin Revel at Martin Revel 1. Bold and fearless on offense, resilient after twice trailing by 14, and this team now learning how to win. Still remain concerned about the interior O-line, which needs off-season attention, but clearly capable of winning in the playoffs and in an open year are contenders in the AFC. Killian at Malloy, underscore double zero. Um, I guess we've had worse days supporting the Bengals. Two words, Joey franchise, absolutely. Uh, Tom Lawrence. I'm not going to even sort of pronounce, try and pronounce Tom's Twitter handle because it is a jumble of letters and words. So uh, shocking handle. Come on, Tom, sort your handle out, son. 
Uh, do you remember how it became hard to find positives after a lot of the games last season? This is now fantastic. New Bold One and New Bold One. I've been a UK fan of this team since 1982. Wow. And I have never seen a game like that. Ever. Could this be our year? Um, yes, uh, New Bold One. I think it could be. It might be. Why can't it be? Um, Stuart Vinny at Vindog7. It's frightening how much better this team can and will get once we improve it further in the draft and free agency. James at Baguette Disco. Um, Solid handle. I think my heart rate has now just got back to normal. I agree with the decision to go for it and somehow worked out perfectly for us. Big coaching mate for Zach. Um, Ross at Nosy Render. Still buzzing, he says. Sean at Disciple of Ange. One word, wow. So this is what it feels like to be explosive. That's several words, Sean, but yes, I agree. I agree. Um, this team has a, such a bright future. Not reaching a Super Bowl during Borrow's rookie contract would at this point be a major disappointment. Let's not even go there. Let's just ride this wave, Sean, and enjoy the moment because, again, we, um, uh, we're AFC North champions and we're in the playoffs. We're in the playoffs. Uh, amazing scenes. Um, uh, yes, amazing scenes. Um, that's about it. That's the lot. Thanks very much to Paul Downey Jr. for once again coming on the podcast. Thanks to you for listening. I mean, if you can't get excited about this, what can you get excited about? You know, the world is going to complete shit around us. But one thing isn't, and that's our Bengals. Uh, it's fantastic. So testament and hats off to Zach, his coaching team, the behind-the-scenes team, the PR, the marketing, and the engagement teams, and, of course, the players who are just making us so, so happy. Um, they will, of course, be playing the Browns. It would be very interesting to see what approach they take. Who knows what's going to happen this week. But, yeah, let's just enjoy this moment, and uh, we'll be back next week to chat some more and look forward to an actual playoff game. How about that? So until that moment, it is a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.